Today's daf is Ayin Vav and Psachim. We are at the bottom of uh, Ayin Hey Amud Bet. There's a new Mishnah here. Actually, this Mishnah ends up getting into a lot of halachot that are very practical for halachot of Kashrut. So it's a very familiar daf to people that study halachot of Kashrut. Mishnah says, Nagab Chasoshel Tanur. Now we know that the Koban Pesach has to be cooked directly by the fire, as we were just saying. So it can't be cooked by a. Um, by a material that was heated by the fire, like metal or anything else. It has to be cooked by the fire itself. So therefore, if... And the Gemara is going to explain exactly what the case here is, but basically, if the... uh, if the uh, a piece of the Koban Pesach, which is in a, an oven, what they had was they had a fire and they were hanging it in a sort of a structure there. There was like an oven. So if it touched the wall of the oven and the oven was hot, so that part of the Koban Pesach got cooked a little bit from the heat of the uh, of the oven. So you have to peel away. That part of the Koban Pesach that wasn't cooked by Esh. If some of the juice of the Koban Pesach splashes onto the wall of the oven, and then it returns and splashes back on the Koban Pesach, so that will absorb a little bit further. So we have two concepts in Kashrut. We have a concept of a what's called Kedek Klipa. Some things only absorb a tiny, tiny bit uh, and we're not really worried about them. Uh, like if, it, if the hot uh, Korban Pesach touches the hot wall, so it'll, it, it'll enter a little bit of uh, penetration, but not much. But if, it's, if you have liquid, liquid absor- absorbs further. So you have to take Kedek Netila, which is about an inch you have to take off there. Natav Merot Valacheres, that's that case. Natav Merot Valasolet, if some of the Korban Pesach juice falls onto flour, okay, so now this fo- that what fell onto the flour, um, it w- the flour was also hot, and that means that that part of the Korban Pesach also got cooked partially by this flour. We're going to see the details in the Gemara, but in the point is, you have to take that part of the flour out, because Korban Pesach, which was cooked by anything other than fire, is not a- you're not allowed to eat it. You could put Shemen Shel Truma, you could put some... Um, oil of truma to uh, baste, I guess, the uh, Korban Pesach, and that's considered okay. That's not cooking with, uh, with liquid, but that's, you know, uh, flavoring it, I guess. Im chavot kohanim, yochlu. Uh, if the if it's a group of kohanim who are eating korban pesach, it's no problem. They can baste it with uh, with some oil of truma. But im shel Israel, if it was a, a regular Jews, and I said, well, you can't put truma on there. Now we can't eat it because it's uh, because it's covered with truma. So im chayu, if it's still raw, so yedichenu, no problem. You can wash it off im tzalihu. If it's already uh, roasted, so then yiklof et achitzon. You just have to peel off the outside layer where that oil might have uh, you know seeped in a little bit because they're not allowed to eat that part. Now sachol b'shemen shel maser sheni. If instead of a truma they put Maser Sheni, now obviously the Koban Pesach is eaten in Jerusalem and Maser Sheni has to be eaten in Jerusalem. So therefore, it's, that is not the issue. The issue is not that you wouldn't be able to eat the, uh, the oil. You would be able to, but the only thing is, There's another technicality, which is, let's say the guy goes and he gets him, he brings his Maser Sheni, Shall, uh, now, this Korban Pesach was shared, let's say, by a group of people that all paid something for it. And then one guy brings his Maser Sheni oil and wants to put it on the Korban Pesach to make it extra tasty. The problem, and then he goes to everyone and says, okay, you know, I, I, I spent uh, 10 bucks on this oil. Everyone give me $1. He can't do that because once you bring Maser Sheni to Yerushalayim, you're not allowed to redeem it. You're not allowed to sell it. Um, and so therefore, uh, even though they're allowed to eat it, they're not allowed to pay for it. So he's not allowed to take money. So don't add anything to the Korban Pesach that you expect to get paid for if it's something that uh, you're not allowed to charge for. That's the bottom line. Now, the interesting, what's going to be in this daf and what makes this daf an especially uh, important daf to know, actually, of, of all of the uh, dapim, and sometimes you, you're in a section that deals with korbanot and you don't find much practical, practical application. But this uh, daf actually has a bunch 
bunch of halachot of kashrut that are core halachot of kashrut that uh, one who studies the laws of kashrut encounters this um, this daf. Itmar says as follows: If a hot thing falls into a, co- a hot thing, in other words, you have boiling milk on the uh, on the stove and a piece of meat falls in, or you have boiling choresh uh, on the stove and milk falls, in, uh, hot milk falls into cham letocham. Okay, hot falls into hot. So the rule is Everything is prohibited, and we're not. We're assuming that there is no bitul b'shishim. We're talking that there isn't because obviously if there's bitul b'shishim, that would change it. We're talking about there's no bitul b'shishim. So therefore, everything becomes prohibited because both are hot. What do we now? We turn to ayin vav amud aleph here, right? So tzonen letoch tzonen two cold things. So if I call mutar, no problem. Wash it off. Right, there's no absorption. Even if a piece of meat falls into a uh, a pot of milk, okay. So uh, it wasn't hot. The milk was cold, and the meat was cold. So you wash off the meat. The, the whatever you know, we assume that the milk didn't absorb anything significant, and it's fine. Right now, here we come to the big machloket between Rav and Shmuel. What happens if the thing that's on the stove, or really the lower thing, the thing that some that is the base in the case, okay? Uh, is hot, but what falls in is cold, or vice versa. What if the thing that is on the on the on the counter is cold, and what falls in is hot? Okay, so uh, w- w- this is where the top. In so, what, in what form? Cold or hot? It doesn't. Liquid it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's not. Let's not worry about that because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter so much. In certain cases, it will matter. Like if you have to peel off a, a layer of something, you can't peel off a layer of a liquid. But these rules will apply no matter what. Okay, so now it says like this, Rav Amar Ila Agavar. According to Rav, whatever is above is Gover. It's the one that defines the case. So, right. So if, if the one that is, uh, if a hot piece of meat falls into cold milk on the counter, you have a cold bowl of milk, a hot piece of meat, according to Rav, that's like hot falling into hot. Because whatever is coming from a top defines the case. Okay, according to Shmuel, no, Tita Agavar. He says, no, the opposite. Actually, the bottom is what defines it. So if what's on the bottom is a cold cereal with milk and a hot piece of meat falls in, that's like cold and cold. That's not going to be an issue. Of, it's not considered that they are both hot. Okay, so now, Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, Now, it, we learned in the Mishnah that if some of the juice of the Koban Pesach splashes onto the wall of the Tanur, the wall of the oven, and then it falls back on the Koban Pesach, you have to remove that part of the Koban Pesach because the, the juice of it that went onto the side of the oven was, quote-unquote, cooked by that part of the oven and then went back into the Koban Pesach. So you have to get that part off because you're not allowed to use Koban Pesach that was cooked by something other than fire. So, so the assumption is that it's talking about where the walls are actually cold because what you're what that's just what you're suspending the korban pesach on. Really, what you're using is the fire beneath. So we're assuming the walls are cold. So according to Rav, it makes sense. He says that what is on top defines it. So therefore, what? Now, so how does he understand the case? What happened was that the juice of the korban pesach was hot. It fell on the wall of the uh, Tanur. That bounced. And that heated up. That put heat into the wall of the oven. And that 
came back and put heat into the juice. Right? So that what ends up happening, according to Rav, the way it works is really the wall of the oven was cold. But since the Korban Pesach juice was hot, it hit the wall of the Tanur, it heats up the wall of the Tanur and then absorbs something from the Tanur, so to speak, and then goes back onto the Korban Pesach. That's why it's a problem, according to Rav. Okay? Because, and and, and since the Torah says that it can only be roasted by fire and not something else, so now you're going to have a problem. However, Shmuel understand According to Shmuel, when something falls, we, we assume the Korban Pesach is up here. It dripped down onto the wall of the oven and bounced back. But the wall of the oven was cold, we're assuming right now. And that means, and when the cold thing is on the bottom, according to Shmuel, that neutralizes it, that cools it. So there shouldn't be anything brought from the wall of the oven back to the Korban Pesach, because the wall of the oven was cold. So uh, according to Shmuel, it shouldn't work. Just like later on, we're going to say that Rabbi Yirmiya says in the name of Shmuel that when the when the Korban Pesach drips on flour that we saw above, it's talking about where the flour was hot. He'll also say this is talking about where the wall of the oven was hot. That's why it's a problem. It's not. In other words, he'll say he'll have to say that it dripped down onto something that was hot and bounced back onto the Korban Pesach. If the wall was actually cold, that it dripped down onto and it bounced back up. That wouldn't be a problem, according to Shmuel, because we say that the, since the lower thing is what defines the situation and it was cold, it would not be considered that the wall of the Tanur cooked the, the rotev, the juice of the Korban Pesach. But here, since the wall of the uh, Tanur is hot, Shmuel says, it's not cold like you're claiming. It's hot. So therefore, it's going to actually add something to the Korban Pesach that can, then gets reabsorbed into the Korban Pesach because Tata'at Gavar, we say the lower defines it. Now, Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, Now, this is exactly the proof that it just brought. It's funny that it did in the wrong order because in the Mishnah it's in the raw it's in that in the, in this order but actually the proof came from here for Shmuel it came from here whatever but the if juice drips from the Koban Pesach onto flour okay so it said you have to get rid of that flour why because that juice from the Koban Pesach was cooked a little bit by the flour so the question is again we're assuming that the flour was cold so uh, right, so the thing is that according to Rav, it makes sense because what happened here, the Korban Pesach is hot. The flour is cold. The Korban Pesach dripped hot liquid onto the solet, onto the flour, and then that, then that comes back. And what happens is that the heat of the Korban Pesach juice heats up the flour, and then it's as if the flour now cooks a little bit, cooks the rotev a little bit, cooks the juice a little bit. Okay, because according to Rab, the, what, what defines hot or cold is what comes from above. So since it's dripping down, right, it makes the flour now hot that was previously cold. And now that previously hot, cold solet that becomes hot cooks that rotev a little bit, gives a little bit of its heat back to the uh, juice, and then it's been partially cooked by the, by the solet. But according to Shmuel, we said that you can only have Korban Pesach that was cooked by the, by the fire. But according to Shmuel, it says that the lower thing defines so. So here we should really say that that it makes it cold. In other words, since what's below defines the case according to Shmuel, so if something hot falls on cold flour, the cold flour should cool it, not, not cook it. Right? So therefore, what's he going to say? So, why do we have to take it away? Why do we have to assume that that juice of the Korban Pesach had dripped onto the flour, became cooked by the flour? On the contrary, since the flour below is cold, 
Nothing should happen. So what will Shmuel say? It's talking about hot flour. The flour was also hot. And therefore, it cooked the rotev. So the point is that this is a big machlok. This is a very practical machlok in kashrut all the time. Right, this is actually the halacha lemaaseh. We actually follow Shmuel, but we'll see. Tanan, we said in the Mishnah, Sachov b'shem and shel truma. If you if you baste basically the korban pesach, you uh, you cover it with shemen of truma. Im chavot koanim yochlu im sheisel im chayu yadichenu im tzaliu yiklofet chitzon. So this is just a quote from the Mishnah. Mishnah said. That if they decided to put some uh, shemen, uh, some oil of truma on the korban pesach, if the group that's eating it is kohanim, no problem. What's the, what's the problem? But if the group that's eating it is Israel, then they have a problem. So if it's still raw, they can wash it off. But if it's already been roasted and it absorbed a little bit of truma, they have to yikluf et mikomo. They have to peel off whatever part we, they put it in. Now, Now we understand According to Rav, why it's enough to uh, uh, to uh, just remove the peel? Why? Because Mishum Because what is the ilaa here? What is the upper thing? The higher thing is the oil. You're putting it onto. You're pouring it onto the korban pesach. The korban pesach might be hot, but you're pouring cold onto hot. And according to Rav, if you pour cold onto hot, and the hot is lower, so the hot, the, the the thing you're pouring defines it, right? And it's colder. So therefore, what? Therefore, we should say that um, that that you only need klipa. You only need klipa. You only need to remove a uh, a, a small amount. Uh, a uh, what do you call it? A uh, like a, a one layer. You know, el shmuel damar tatagavah. But according to Shmuel, since what is on the bottom defines it, kevan the chamo since it's hot, mivla bala abayis hagelib klipa nitzal legamrei. Really. It should absorb totally. Then the whole korban pesach should now be considered truma because, according to Shmuel, since what is on the bottom is the korban pesach and you're pouring oil onto it, so the korban pesach is hot, so it should really absorb all of that oil, and the whole korban pesach should be now considered truma because it absorbed the oil. Why are you not saying it absorbed all the way through? Why are you saying it only absorbed up to a klipa, up to one layer, up to the you know uh, up to the surface? So it says shani sicha the answer is that it is only a tiny amount. A small amount can only penetrate so far. We don't assume it to penetrate all the way through. We assume it only penetrated kedek klipa, which is a uh, uh, you know one layer. Basically, they define a kedek klipa in kashrut when whenever a kedek klipa has to be done as the amount that you can remove in one piece. In other words, it's uh, so the the smallest, the thinnest amount that you can move, remove from a surface that it'll come off in one piece as opposed to broken pieces. That's called kedek klipa. I don't know how you're going to remove it with such a thin amount without an instrument. You probably would need, yeah, a knife or something, a knife or something. Yeah, yeah. So now Tanya kavadid Shmuel. We have a brayta that supports Shmuel. Cham letocham asur. If hot falls into hot, it's prohibited. asur. If something cold, a cold piece of meat falls into a hot oatmeal, dairy oatmeal. Or, or a, uh, a piece of cheese falls into Choresht. So it's going to be Asur. The whole thing is Asur, of course, unless there's 60 times. We're not talking about whether there's 60 times. If hot falls into cold, or a cold falls into cold, so like a cold piece of meat falls into a bowl of cereal with milk or something like that, okay? Or a hot piece of meat falls into a bowl of cereal with, uh, uh, with milk. So it says, uh, so in that case... Uh, so it says, uh, where was I? Right? In that case, you wash it off. Right? 
Right, so it says that's a little bit of a problem. If a hot piece of meat falls into a cold cereal, it's one thing if, if a cold piece of meat falls into a cold cereal, everyone agrees you just wash off the cold piece of meat, right? Or if a piece of cheese cold falls into a, 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 a something cold, a cold choresh, uh, I don't think you should eat cold choresh, it doesn't taste good, but if you did, yeah, but, but if, you, if it happened, so then you would, then maybe because you took it out of the fridge to reheat it or something like that, yeah. So then, so then you would just wash it off, it'll be okay. But, but... What, but if the, if one of the if the thing that falls in is hot, can't, isn't it going? We, it should, even though it cools it off. The fact that the what's below is going to cool it off a little bit, we're saying, but it doesn't cool it off totally right away. If a hot piece of meat falls into a bowl of cereal, you're not going to say that any there was any absorption at all into the meat. So it says there. So really, the halacha is that if a hot thing falls into a, a cold, we say kolef. Just take off kadek klipat. And if it's cold into cold, we say wash off. And that's what the halacha is really. If a hot piece of whatever falls into something which is uh, the opposite type, right? If the hot piece of meat falls into cold milk, you take the klipa off of the uh, off of the meat. Um, which is just one thin strip that you assume that it came off. Now we can't take a kade klipa off of milk, obviously. So we just say as long as we assume that the kade klipa is batel bishishim, because it's such a small amount, that it's not gonna be a problem. We don't have to take a klipa off of the milk, which wouldn't be possible. Uh, so anyway, Tanya Yidach. Says another brayta. Basar roteach shnafal to chalav roteach. Hot meat falls into hot milk. Right vechet sonen shnafal to cha. Or if something cold falls into something hot, asur. So this is clearly Shmuel because it's saying that whatever is on the bottom is what defines whether the mixture is hot or cold. Cham toch sonen toch sonen mediach. Right. So cham toch sonen. So right. So it says if it was if it's a um, I'm sorry so again it's saying the same thing before as before right if a hot thing falls into cold or a cold falls into cold you have to um, you have to uh, wash it off so again the same question how could you say that you just wash off the hot piece of meat that fell into the milk shouldn't, shouldn't it absorb anything so should it at least require a little bit of removal you're right, right. When it comes to uh, when it comes to um, uh, a hot thing falling into a cold thing, we take off a klipat. So you don't just wash it off. Now this supports the idea that the Rishonim say. I think the Rashba says it's been a while since I studied for the smicha test, but you know we had to learn, learn all this. But when the uh, but it, I believe it's the Rashba that says that the kedei klipa is just a chumrah. You see that it's just a stringency that we observe because number one, when you can't take a klipa from something like it falls into a milk, you can't take a layer off of the milk. What are you going to take a thin layer off the milk? It doesn't work. So we let it go, number one. Number two... You see that the Brita actually says, you don't really have to do anything. Right? And they keep correcting it and saying, no, 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 you need a klipa. Right. So it's, it's, it's an extra stringency. It's almost like a more thorough cleaning, taking off the top layer. It's not really, uh, it's not really uh, that you think that there's a substantive like, amount of absorption there. But that's what Allah is. The Aruch HaShulchan asks a good question. He asks, uh, how could they have this machloket? I mean, like, temperature should balance out. Either way, the same thing. If hot falls into cold, cold falls into hot. has a whole discussion. But that's why the way that I explain it is um, I don't look at it as a, a question of um, thermodynamics. Right? It's not a thermodynamic question. Because from the perspective of of, of science, it's, it doesn't make a difference with the, what falls in is hot or what it falls into is hot. But it's uh, that's why I look at it as what defines the character of a mixture is what def- when you think of a mixture, there are always two elements involved. Is what falls into it what's going to define the character of the mixture, or is what it has something fall into it 
is, that is going to de- define the character of the mixture. The passive part or the active part. And Rav is saying the active part that creates the problem, that's what we define the mixture by that, by that, whether it's hot or cold. And Shmuel says, no, we define it by what's been violated, you know, so to speak. You know, the, the pot was there and something fell into it. That's how we define the mixture. But I don't think that they're really having a scientific argument. Well, now, does it make any difference if it's a piece of chazir? No, it's the same laws. Same rule. Except you don't, you don't take a klipa and eat the chazir. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, same, same concept of transfer. Yeah. Yeah. So if a hot piece of pork falls into your milk, so technically it's fine, you know. Or you have to take it out, obviously. For bitul, for bitul. But we're talking about tam only. We're not talking about, we're, we're talking about where you take the thing out afterwards, right? In other words, so if, if it's a case where you, it gets lost in there, so now you have to deal with bitul and a hundred for chuma. Right. But if you, but if it's tam, in other words, a hot piece of chuma fell into, uh, or let's say there was, uh, you know, there was hot food on the stove and a piece of chuma fell into it right. and you take it out. So do I need bitul against that? Do I consider that a hot mixture or a cold mixture? According to Shmuel, since, what it, since the choresh that you had was hot, so when that piece of chumah fell in, even if the piece of chumah was cold, you still are going to have to have a hundred times against the piece of chumah's ta'am because of that. That's, yeah, that's but, insane. But if you take a layer of termah, you're destroying termah. Well, yeah, but they wouldn't, a person wouldn't have to take a layer of chumah because a kohen is allowed to eat the chumah and he's allowed to eat the chulin also. He's not going to have but to take it, a layer. No, but that layer is like milk and meat right now. But for him, he's allowed to eat both, so it's not a problem. In other words, you t- that piece of trauma that fell in, you take it out, you give it to a kohen, he can eat the whole thing. It's no problem that it absorbs from your non-trauma. What difference does it make? No, let's say with milk. Yeah. Oh, with milk, that's more complicated. So then, yeah, but it became non-kosher, so you're allowed to get rid of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Avar more the master said like this. Um, so nen letochtonen mediach. So if the if cold fell into cold, you wash it off. So amar avuna lo shanuel shalom melacho. That's only if there was no milk in the. I'm sorry, no salt in there, right? Aval melacho asur. But if they salted it, something salted is considered hot. Amar shmuel maliach hukroteach kavushali hukim vushali. He said a famous phrase that um, that meliach is like roteach. Something that is not talking about you put a few shakes of salt on it. It's saying something heavily salted, very salted. It's hot. It's considered heat. Salted, uh, Something very salted, yeah. Um, uh, uh, but and uh, and soaking something for more than twenty four hours is considered like cooking. So if you if a piece of meat, even though it's true that meat and milk is only a sort of meteorita, if there's heat involved, usually. Right, and technically, if a piece of cold meat fell into a, a cold milk, you could just wash off the cold meat. But if it's soaked in there for twenty four hours, it's kimvushal. It's as if it was cooked in there. You can't just reverse it. What? No, according to the Torah, you could, but you, if it's not cooked, but we don't, we don't do that. But we're just talking about it's considered cooked if it's left for twenty four hours. Now, Amar Rava, Hadamar Shmuel. It's only if there's not enough salt that it, it's there's so much salt that it's not edible. But the amount of salt that you put is just a little bit of salt. In other words, if you put a lot of uh, a lot of salt to the point that you wouldn't eat it like that to preserve it, and later on you're going to wash off the salt and eat it. It's preservative salt. It's very heavy salt. That's what we're talking about when we say really heavily salted. A little bit of salt that you put on your soup. That's not what it's talking about. So you put a little bit of salt on the soup, and then something that was it was a dairy soup and meat fell into it, you wouldn't say uh, that it's hot because you put a few shakes of salt, right? It has to be heavily salted for that, right? Now, how about one time a bird, it fell into a dairy dip, 
Okay, Shariyarov Khinina Baidurava mi Pashronia. So Rav Khinina Baidurava from Pashronia said it's okay. Amar Avarava said, Man Hakim Lemeshwa Milta Kiha. Who is smart enough to permit this? Ilav Rav Khinina Baidurava mi Pashronia. It must have been Rav Khinina, the son of Rava from Pashronia, the Gavar Rabahu, because he's such a great person, right? In other words, who would, who would have like the clout? You know, the, uh, the, the, the courage to permit such a thing. But the reason is because since the dairy dip only has a little bit of salt, it doesn't have, it's not heavily salted, it has a little bit of salt. So therefore he said it was okay that the bird fell in there. You just wash off the bird and, and, and you'll be all right. We're talking about like a piece of chicken or something fell in there basically. What was his reasoning? What was the reasoning of it? Because that idea that salted is like burning, is like hot. That's only when it's so... Uh, it's so salty that you wouldn't be able to eat it. But the e nechal mechabat milcho, right? But if it, but if it's something, right? Hi nechal mechabat milcho, right? But and when we say that it has to be so, that it's edible when it's salted, hanemile chai. That's only when it is raw. Okay, aval tzali by klipa. But if it's roasted, if it's cooked, it requires klipa. Now this is a. There's a whole big discussion about exactly how to read this Gemara. A lot of argument about how to, ar- how to read it. What does it mean, Salihir? Does it mean hot? Or does it mean that it was cooked, right? In other words, is it saying that a piece of hot food that fell in, like we already learned before, right? If a piece of hot food falls into something that's cold, you still have to take a klipa, right? Is that what it means, hot? When it says here, Salih, it means hot. Or does it mean, no, cooked, Meaning to say that if a cooked piece of chicken fell into a dairy dip, it's different than raw. Of course, right? but cold. Right, even cold, right? Because saying that a raw piece of chicken, you wash it off and it'll be okay, but a cooked piece, it's going to absorb in more and you won't be able to get it out without taking off a klipa. That's what it means, tzali. It's an argument, whether it means t- hot or it means, uh, or it means that it was cooked. And not only that, Velo Amaran Eladil. It doesn't matter. Okay. And that's only if there are no cracks in it. But if there are cracks in it also, it's going to be prohibited. It'll absorb all the way in. It doesn't... The food, it has cracks in the chicken, yeah, or the food, the, whatever, the, the, the meat or whatever it happens to be. Or if it's cheese, I guess if it has like holes in it, like Swiss cheese or something like that, absorbs things in, right? And also, if it's mitavle, if it has, um, uh, if it's spiced, okay, if it's... Um, if it is, uh, if it's seasoned, so then the seasoning will cause the, uh, the ta'am to extend in and to make it prohibited. So there's a big machlok in Shulchan Aruch among the commentaries of Shulchan Aruch, which one of these views that are, should be followed and how to understand it. But basically we're saying that there are different categories. Hot thing that falls into a cold thing, for sure you always have to take a klipat off of it. If it's, the question is, what about if it's just cooked but not hot? Is that also something that absorbs more? If it's seasoned, does it mean that it, that, uh, it absorbs all the way through if it's seasoned? Or it's saying, no, no, if it's raw and seasoned, that means that it absorbs a klipa. Uh, you know, so there's all kinds of different interpretations of which of these qualifications are adding on to the case and which of them are independent. But basically what it's, the basic picture is that it's saying that it's not an absolute one way or another. If there's a condition of the item that makes it more absorbent, okay? So then it could be that you have to take a klipa off. Now, we go to Amarav. Rav says, uh, Now, this is another issue, which is called Rechamilta. What about... Fragrance. This is asked very commonly. You know? Let's say you have very fatty meat. That's kosher. Shechuta means kosher. Shetzlaoim besal nevela. Kachush. Asur. And you had nevela there that was also roasting. Obviously not literally on the same thing, but right next to it, let's say. And it was kachush. It was very lean meat, so it didn't make so much um, steam. 
Right? So what happens then? Maitama, he says it's a sore anyway. Maitama, because they're going to draw, draw flavor from each other. Even though it's not so strong, the flavor, because when something is shamin, basal shamin, it's considered like more liquid. It's like almost like a liquid, because it's fatty meat. The fat is considered like, because it melts as you cook, because it's considered like, uh, like a liquid. Right? But here we're saying, no, even if it's kachush, even if it's something which is lean. Levi says, no. He says, even if the non-kosher meat was fatty and the kosher one was lean, it's still okay because it's only scent. I don't believe that uh, the, the fragrance, meaning the, the scent that comes, counts for anything. So even if you cooked a non-kosher meat right next to a kosher meat and the non-kosher meat is very fatty and it's, putting all, it's exuding all kinds of uh, uh, smoke and the one there, the kosher one, is a little, you know, Lean thing, not really making much, uh, m- much steam. Still, we would say, Levi would say it's okay. Not only that, but it says, so uh, what's the scenario? They're next to each other. They're next to each other. Like you go to one of these parks and there's some non-Jewish guy. It happened, um, my parent, my family were in, uh, we're away and they, you know, they, pe- you know, they, the people bring their barbecues and they do their own, yeah, you know, barbecue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and then the guy's like right there with the most trafe thing, you know, putting the more, more cheese on his burger that he could put, you know, would be, you know, like, right there. So what do you do? So they were, you know, it's separate, but the point is that they're right next to each other. They're barbecue. Right we're going to talk about it. Yeah, it's saying that, this, that the smoke will reach it. Oh, obviously, but the question is, do we care about that smoke or not? That's that's what he's saying. He's saying I don't care about, right? So he says, Avad Levi Uvda Berish Galuta, and the house of the exarch Levi actually put this into practice. even with a sheep, and davar means a pig. In other words, they right they were they were they don't like to even say it, right? So they said so they said that, so somebody was roasting a pig, and right next to him roasting a kosher meat, and he said I don't care that the pig fragrance is coming. So maybe there is an objection. The house of mayor, the other pig. What? No, some non-Jews were there. I don't know. It doesn't mean in the house. It means that they went outside wherever they cooked. Like in the old days, they cooked outside. Now, you cannot cook two psachim next to each other because of the mixture. So my love, doesn't it mean you can't roast two different psachim next to each other because they're going to mix flavors? What does it mean, mix flavors? It means that I'm only allowed to eat the korban pesach that I'm registered for. You're only allowed to eat korban pesach that you're registered for. So we can't mix the flavors. So you see that you can't roast them next to each other because they're going to absorb flavor from a different one. And then when I eat mine, I'm going to eat the flavor of yours. Wow. It says, no. Wow. He said, no, that's not the reason because that, that, that's not counted as flavor, the smoke, no. He says, it's saying that you're going to mix up whose is whose. Oh, that's a different yeah. thing. In fact, that fits better because at the end of that right that says that because it says at the end, even if one guy has a goat and one guy has a sheep, they still shouldn't do it. So, if you're going to assume that it means because you might get them mixed up, so so that's why it says at the end of the Brayta, even if they have two different species, they still might mix it up. But if you're talking about the mixture of flavor, so why does it mention the different types of species? Obviously, it means that you're going to mix them up. Not that they're going to become mingled by the, by the scent. Okay? Rather, al in fact, it's exactly the opposite. You tried to prove that Levi was wrong because you wanted to say that you're not allowed to roast two psachim next to each other because they're going to mix flavor. This shows you that that's not an issue. What is the only issue? You might take the wrong one home by accident. That's the only issue. Okay? So it says, In fact, I'm going to turn it around and now it's a critique of Rav. Because Rav should really say that you can't roast two psachim next to each other because they're going to intermingle. The smoke is going to intermingle. And he doesn't say that. 
So, Amar Rabbi Yirmiya, Hachabim Ayaskin, and goes to the It must be talking about where there were two pots. So, therefore, they did not mingle, the flavors didn't mingle at all from the smoke. Only the only concern was mixing them up. But then, who roasts a korban pesach in a pot? You're not allowed to do that. It means it was like two pots. Meaning to say, like Rashi explains, that they had some separator in between, so there was no concern about the smoke of one going to the other one. That you cannot have two psachim of two different groups roasted next to each other because of the mixture. Right, and that actually means they can't mix the flavors through the smoke. Even if you create a situation like two pots, meaning that there's a separator between them, that they don't mix, they don't mix fragrance. It's still a concern that somebody might take the wrong one home. And even if one has a goat and one has a sheep, we're still concerned that the guy will make a mistake and bring the wrong thing home. And that is the machloket rav and levi whether. Recham miltahi. Now, Amar Rav Mari, Rav Mari says, it's actually a machlok etanai. Because it says, If a person takes hot bread and puts it on top of a, pot, of a barrel of truma wine, Rabbi Meir, Meir says it will draw from the fragrance of the wine. And now the bread is truma because it drew from the fragrance of the truma wine. Rabbi Yehuda Matir. Right? And, uh, and Rabbi Yehuda says it's okay. Rabbi Yosei matir b'shel chitin v'asem shel sorin. Nesh sorin shoavot. Rabbi Yosei says, you know what? With, with wheat, wheat doesn't absorb as much. But barley absorbs more flavor. So if it's barley bread, it's going to absorb from the wine. Yeah. But okay, now. Okay, so my love tonight. So it seems very clear that this is the machloket. Obviously, Rabbi Meir holds that this, the, the scent of the wine is going to absorb into the bread. And the other Tanaim are saying no. So it's a machloket. Levi Levi is going to have to admit that this is the machloket and he's taking a side. He's taking the side of the rabbis, not Rabbi Meir. But according to Rav, will Rav also admit that it's a, it's a matter of dispute or is he going to say no? Everyone agrees that I'm right, that Recham Milta. What's he going to say? Everybody agrees with me that, 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 that scent is a real thing. Wasn't it said regarding that discussion? Amar Rabbi Baba Chana Marish Lakish bepat chama vechavip tuchad devaya kol asur. Rabbi Baba Chana said that everyone actually agrees that if the bread was hot and the barrel was open, for sure it takes from the scent of the wine. Bepat zonenet vechavit megufa. If the bread was cold and the barrel was closed, then the fact that you put the bread on the barrel doesn't make any difference. Devaya kol mutar. They only argued when you have one or the other. Either the bread is hot, but the barrel is closed, and you put it on the barrel. Will it suck up the wine through the barrel? Or if the barrel was open, but the bread was cold, will that, will that be enough for it to get the flavor of the wine? But this case is more similar. When you are roasting the meat together right next to each other, that is like an open barrel and a hot bread that's like the, it's, a, it's a situation where definitely the smoke is going back and forth and it's going to make it's going to cause a flavor to spread okay so Tani Rav Kana Bredo Rav Chinana Saba 
Rav Kahana, the son of Rav Chinana, the elder, said, if you, if you br- bake bread with meat at the same time in the oven, you're not allowed to now eat that bread together with dairy. Okay? If you have fish that was roasted next to meat, Rava from Perzikia said you cannot now eat that fish with dairy because it absorbed from the smoke of the meat. So what should it actually say? Not, not milcha, but what? What is that? There's no, uh, it looks like there's supposed to be a correction, but there's no apparent correction. But I think that the point is that he's saying you shouldn't even eat it with salt, right? You shouldn't eat it at all, meaning, because since it absorbed, because the fish and meat issue. Because because they said it would give you tzarat if you eat fish and meat together. So since it absorbed the meat flavor, even with milk, even with, uh, with, uh, melach, even with, um, with salt, you shouldn't eat it, meaning to say that you shouldn't eat it at all because it was uh, it absorbed the meat. It's fish that absorbed the meat flavor from the reach. So there's a whole big machloket rishonim about how we rule, whether we rule that recham milta or not. Big machloket rishonim. And Rashi even says here that the chuvotek the geonim ruled that you don't have to worry about recham milta. The Tosfot says you do have to worry about recham milta. The Sephardic rishonim generally, like the Rif Rambam, say you don't have to worry about it. In the end, basically, what we say is lechatchila. If you have a situation where you can avoid it, you try to avoid having like two things cooking together where they shouldn't be mixed together, where the where the uh, fragrances aromas. are going, the aromas are going to mix. But b'diavad, we don't say that it rechamilta unless there is something steaming. In other words, if it's a liquid, we consider steam to be like substance. Yes. So if you have a steaming soup or choresh or something like that that's really a liquid that's steaming, then we treat it that way. But two, um, two dry things that exude like smell and aroma, bidiyavad, we don't consider that to be real ta'am and we would allow a person to eat those things bidiyavad. Um, even though, lechatchila, we avoid those situations. That's the basic halacha that comes out. Put it, put it in the new 